from the BCT Studios in Hartford, Connecticut. It's Curfew with John and Newton. Tonight, author Michael Van Blyman. And later, music from the David Crowder Band. And now your host, John and Newton. Good evening and welcome to tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a lot to get to, and I want to start with this. McDonald's unveiled a new virtual reality gaming box headset. It's made from folding and bending their Happy Meal boxes and using your smartphone as sort of a goggle-type head apparatus. Because what better way to escape reality than to bury your head inside of a Happy Meal? The popular fast food corporation released a statement that said, quote, The Happy Meal must simply move with the times. We must move with the times. Yeah, mainly because our customers can't. It's nice of them to pick up the torch. Speaking of Mickey D's, at a CNN town hall debate this week, McDonald Trump said his favorite fast food meal was a fish delight. A fish delight? You know, to be fair, it's actually called a McFish. McDonald's doesn't serve a fish delight. Or actual fish, for that matter. But who's keeping score? I think the real takeaway from that is actually picturing, as little Marco Rubio calls him, Big Donald, standing in line at a fast food restaurant ordering a fish sandwich. Totally bizarre. And by the way, it's going to be the most beautiful fish sandwich I've ever eaten, okay? And by the way, it's going to be huge. Believe me, I'm loving it. That I can tell you. And other not-so-great news for the Donald's campaign... In a passive-aggressive attack towards the billionaire, Bernie Sanders said that he believes Americans don't want crumbs. They want and deserve the entire loaf. After hearing that, Chris Christie promptly left the Donald's campaign and joined forces with Sanders' revolution, stating, Hey, do you think we can stop at Olive Garden and get some of those breadsticks? Of course, we only like to poke fun at things here at Curfew. Don't take anything we say that seriously. But make sure you connect with us on Twitter, at Curfew Show, for a daily dose of commentary of this wild and crazy world. We have a great show for you tonight. A little bit later, we're going to be talking to our friend Michael Van Vlyman. We've got music from the Toby Mac Band and a very special segment coming up after the break. Be sure to check us out at www.curfewshow.com. Like I said, connect with us on Twitter, at Curfew Show. Like our pages, give us a follow, all that good stuff. While we take a quick break, I'm Johnny, and you're listening to Curfew on Xeno Live. Welcome back from the break, everybody. What an amazing week it was for space travel. In case you didn't hear, astronaut Scott Kelly returned to Earth after spending a year in space inside of the International Space Station. Immediately, they noticed that he grew two inches from being in space for the entire year. It always amazes me what short people do to appear taller. All kidding aside, it is pretty amazing that he spent a year up there. And with all the excitement over traveling to Mars and opening up time portals to get there, it's a really fascinating time to be alive. But I wanted to talk about something very serious, though. Scott Kelly returned to Earth and he's already reporting aching in his joints, pain throughout his body, and burning skin. And you have to wonder, is space travel even safe? There are a lot of people who think that we can tap into wormholes and time vortexes, basically time travel. I think that's pretty amazing, and so what I attempted to do was have a conference call with two doctors to see what their thoughts were on the physical effects of maybe time travel and extended periods of time and space would do to the human body. Unfortunately, it didn't go as well as I wanted to. You'll see what I mean in a minute when we take a listen to tonight's Curfew Conference Call. And because it's with two doctors, I figured I'd call it Second Opinion. Take a listen. 
It's Curfew Conference Call. Tonight's episode, Second Opinion with Dr. Phil and the 10th Doctor Who, David Tennant. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Phil and David, Dr. Who Tennant. How's it going? Good evening, Dr. Phil. And David, are you there? Nice to meet you. Yes, very nice. More than nice. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, good. So how are you guys doing? Hi, Olsey. What did you just say? Hi, Olsey. Who are you? I'm the doctor of TARDIS. You and I are going to disagree on some stuff today. I can already feel it. All right, all right. Settle down, Dr. Phil. Hold on. You are part of the problem. You are not part of the solution. All right, well, I'm definitely not trying to be a problem. Don't waste my time. And I'm not trying to waste your time. Be very careful talking to me. I sure will. You jack with me and you'll be gone before you know it. You understand what I'm saying? Yep, I totally understand. If you're okay, I'm okay. Are you okay? Um, I'm okay. All right, so that means we can get back to the segment? Yes, I'll play this ridiculous game with you. Okay, thank you. I mean, is that what you're wanting to hear? Yes, it is, Dr. Phil, and I'm just really happy that we're able to move on past this. But if we get into another one of these yelling things, I'm done. I'm sorry, and that's just it. I ain't gonna do it. No, I totally understand. Uh, David, I know you've been standing by, and I'd like to bring you in on this and hopefully go down a road that doesn't take an ugly turn. Are you still there? Well, now, that would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boo. Etc. Okay, now, David, they call you Doctor Who. That's kind of a strange name, isn't it? Well, it's a very common name. All right, if you say so. Now, you're a time traveler, is that correct? A rectamundo, a word I have never used before and hopefully never will again. And how long have you been time traveling? Um, it's only my second day. Only two days? Yep, but I do it brilliantly. Why would I believe that? Uh, excuse me, Phil, I think I can handle the questions about time travel. I don't care about that. I'm sorry you feel that way, Dr. Phil, but maybe some of the other listeners do. Why would I believe that? Well, because I think the concept of space and time travel intrigues a lot of people. Your question was, what? Yeah, actually, my question was for Doctor Who, and that was, what makes time travel possible? Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. That's like a dog chasing their tail. It's not ever going to get anywhere. Thanks for the analysis, Phil. Uh, Doctor Who, can you maybe give us a better explanation? It's like, it's like when you fancy someone and they don't even know you exist. That's what it's like. Are you an absolute falling down, non-functional drunk? What? Answer the question. I think I just invented the banana daiquiri a couple of centuries ago. You understand you got a real credibility problem here. <laughs> All right, listen, I got to step in because this is turning into like a political debate on CNN or something. Relax. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, but you know, you just keep interrupting. Yeah, but we tried that. Yeah, but we did that. Yeah, but he follows us. Yeah, but we're in the car. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Well, I can see where this is heading, so I think it's probably a good time to wrap things up. But listen, before I let you go, Doctor Who, I've got a question. Do you have any advice for maybe dealing with obnoxious guests in the future? Don't turn your back. Don't look away. And don't blink. <laughs> okay, I won't. Jeremy. Uh, Phil, my name's actually Johnny, not Jeremy. Enough chit-chat, buddy boy. I don't care what your sign is or how you feel about all this rain we've been having. Where do you stand on commitment? Yeah, I'm not really sure what you mean by that, Phil, but as a sign of goodwill, I'm happy to leave you with the last word. 
Well, obviously, this is a very emotionally charged situation we've been talking about today. Well, Dr. Phil, that is true. Whatever you have to say, take your time and let's end on a high note. I just set the neighborhood on fire and blew the sewers for six blocks. The explosion blew the toilets loose in houses all over the neighborhood. But the sizzle has started a fizzle. Thanks for your call. <laughs> well, there you have it. Now you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes guests are difficult. And because of that, I think it's a good time to take a short recess. When we come back, a not-so-difficult guest, Michael Van Vlyman. Stick around. Welcome back from the break, everybody. My guest this evening is an author and speaker who's passionate about telling people how they can walk in the supernatural things of God. Welcome to Curfew, Michael Van Vlyman. Michael, thank you for stopping by Curfew on Zeno Live. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Well, again, we're honored that you stopped by tonight, so thank you. Now, you've authored many books. One of those is called How to See into the Spirit. And in there, you talk about having supernatural encounters. From my personal experience growing up in the church as a kid, that sort of thing was often frowned upon and even viewed as demonic. But from all the evidence that we have in the Bible, aren't we as believers in Christ supposed to have those encounters? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I, I also grew up in a similar environment as that. It was not just frowned upon. It was actually strongly preached against. You know, I, I, I would hear those amazing testimonies, you know, throughout the Word, and I would always think, wouldn't it be great if I lived during those days when God was doing all these miraculous things? You know, it took quite a while for me to come to the realization that uh, we are supposed to have those types of encounters all throughout the Word, Old Testament and New. Believers were having a Extraordinary experiences, visitations with angels, talking with angels, preparing food for angels, receiving messages, supernatural help. But suddenly, for some reason, the church decided that was supposed to stop. Uh, I can't find a scripture for that. So I got to kind of stick with what our example is, our heritage. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So... I'm embracing it wholeheartedly now that I have the revelation of it. And that is the truth. So for someone who wants to have a supernatural encounter with God, or doesn't maybe realize that they've had one, what are some signs from your perspective or experience that might help them understand what's happening and how to look for it? Well, you know, when you're first beginning to learn about these types of things, everything seems kind of weird. So if you have no experience with the spiritual realm and experiencing that, even angelic encounters can seem very, you know, spooky and strange. And if you think back to when some of the encounters in the Old Testament, like when the angel appeared to Daniel, he fell on his face and he was like as a dead man, the word says. So we have to remember that. It's not always going to be comfortable. Now, in my own experience, the first few times that angels began to manifest their presence where I was aware of it, I reverted back to my old teachings and I was rebuking angels. I rebuke you in Jesus' name, you know. And this, and this actually went on for several weeks. And finally, you know, I pray, Lord, put your angels around our house. Put your angels in our life. So one day I was rebuking, you know, I felt the presence. You know, it felt very supernatural. And I started rebuking, and all of a sudden the angel spoke to me, and he says, you have to make up your mind. Do you want our presence or do you not want it? And then I realized 
that I was praying for something, the Lord was answering my prayer, and then I would rebuke it because I was not comfortable with that feeling. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Now, I know a lot of critics would say, well, isn't that just like New Age channeling? And the reality is when you channel through New Age practices, you're inviting something that isn't from God often to even operate through you. So when you talk about having angelic encounters with God, is it safe? Uh, we can trust him to protect us. As long as our motivation is the Lord and is not for you know some kind of strange purpose, we don't have to be in fear. What I've come to find out is it is very hard for an evil spirit to deceive you if your purpose is the Lord. You know, I've had evil spirits appear to me before pretending to be something other than what they were, but uh, the spirit does not bear witness that it's of the Holy Spirit. So there's no connection there, and you, you realize right away this is an evil spirit, and it's a protection that the Lord gives us. And, of course, if there is any question whatsoever, we always have the protection of asking the spirit, testing the spirit, has Jesus come in the flesh? Has Jesus Christ come in the flesh? I've I had to ask that of spirits before, and they will never answer in the affirmative. They will either not answer you at all or answer something totally different, but they will not answer that in the affirmative. So that's a protection for us as we pursue these things. That's right. We are told to test the spirits. And, of course, it's also important to exercise and grow your spirit of discernment. Now, moving on to another one of your books, Powerful Keys to Spiritual Sight, you say that, amongst other things like prayer and fasting, imagination is one of those keys. Tell me why the imagination is a gateway. Yeah, uh, imagination is a real thing in the spiritual realm. I mean, it's real in the physical realm, but we don't, you know, we have a limited under, understanding of it because most of us do not engage the spiritual realm. You know, we taste it a little bit on Sunday mornings when we go to church or to a worship service. You know, you, you get that feeling, but we don't really live in that. So the imagination, you know, when Jesus taught about a person that lust in his heart has already committed adultery, that really showed me that imagination is a real thing. If it really is a sin, just to imagine and then the Lord further showed me that imagination, you can pray in your imagination, and it's not like you're pretending to pray or thinking about praying. If you're praying in your imagination or in your mind, you actually are praying. The Lord hears your thoughts. He knows your thoughts. He knows your desires just from your thinking about it. And then the Lord showed me that thought is a communication in the spirit realm. Because when you're in that realm, when you're when you're open to that, you can communicate by thought only. You don't have to open your mouth. And that was a kind of another key that showed me that imagination is powerful. When I first began to enter into uh, visionary experiences, I realized that the leading of the Holy Spirit, that imagining something would bring it to pass. If I focused on, let's say I'm asking, I was asking the Lord to sanctify me, and I was imagining an angel pouring buckets of fire over my head, and this is going on in my imagination. I didn't ask the Lord to send an angel to pour buckets of fire on my head. The only thing I was saying was, Lord, sanctify me and make me clean. But in my imagination, I was imagining that. Now, the Lord knows what you're imagining, so that was also a prayer. 
and actually that manifested a column of fire that was coming down on my head at full manifestation. It was one of the most incredible experiences I've had. But imagination is a spiritual reality that you have to really take advantage of because you don't necessarily do things in the physical realm to cause a spiritual experience or to open a spiritual gateway. There are steps of faith you can take, prophetic gestures and so on, that you can do in the physical realm by faith, and that's you should do that also. But in the spiritual realm, imagination is a very powerful key. That's incredible. You heard it here, folks. Buy your notebooks in bulk. Now, Michael, before I let you go, what would you say is probably one of the most wildest encounters that you've had? Well, you know, I've had a lot of them. You know, it's hard to come up with the wildest one because five minutes from now or later in the day, I'll think of something that tops it. But one of the most profound experiences and wildest experiences I've had was during a kind of a dry time when I was really, you know, asking God, you know, show me something, do something. I want, I want you know, all these crazy testimonies I heard. I want to experience that. And it was just so dry. I felt like I was, I had a brick wall in front of me I couldn't get through. So I was praying and uh, asking God to break something open for me. So finally, my prayer changed, and I started praying. I don't know what to do. I have no clue. You have to show me something. I don't know what to do. And that was my prayer for three days. Now, at the end of three days, that night I went to bed, about 2 o'clock in the morning. All of a sudden, I felt someone, you know, someone will wake you by shaking you. And, uh, you know, wake up, Michael, wake up. Well, that didn't happen. What happened was an angel put his hand inside my chest and shook me violently. And it terrified me. And I said, Lord, this better be you. And the angel pulled me out of bed, put me on my knees, lifted my hands in the air. And and, uh, my spiritual eyes opened. And I could see what was going on, and I and I just blurted out. It was it was almost comical. I blurted out, "I can see," and the angel uh, that was standing there, he said, "Of course you can see. Your eyes are open." But what was really amazing about that encounter was, it's like the Lord showed me, okay, you know, worship. You want to press into this. This is a way to do it. And that's uh, with your hands in the air and being thankful and grateful, you know, for the things God's doing. That was, uh, I, I can't do justice to that experience. That was, you know, it was amazing and over the top when it happened. But that also taught me something else is angelic experiences are not religious. You know, I've I've had people tell me before, you know, uh, if it was really from God, it would be a reverent experience. And I think, no, 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 no. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible that it's a religious experience. They're usually very powerful when they come in that fashion. And uh, it was powerful, and the Lord showed me what to do through that encounter. And that was was amazing, and uh, that's definitely in one of my journals. (laughs) Rejoice in the Lord, even if it is before the break of dawn. Yeah, and and once that kind of stuff starts breaking open, um, you know, it's not unusual to wake up at 2 in the morning because uh, if you're willing, if you're willing to live in that place of encounter, then you can expect, you know, maybe to get a little nudge, hey, wake up, you know, do it. Absolutely. And Michael, is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with tonight? You know, just 
I just would like to say that everyone that is really interested in living that, living in that place of supernatural encounters with God, you can have it. They can have it. Absolutely, they can have it. It's, there's no requirement other than passion, you know, to live in that place because God has made it available to us. The Lord paid for it. It belongs to us. We can have it. It's just having a few simple instructions to kind of push us in that direction. Just kind of like be aware of your spirit, man. Be aware of the difference. And uh, once that awareness begins to come, you train yourself. Just like you would memorize scripture, you you train yourself in these things. Or the Lord trains you. You let the Lord train you. And anyone can have it. So don't be discouraged. Just keep pursuing because it will open for you. Michael, I just want to thank you for stopping by Curfew tonight on Zeno Live. And, of course, you know you're welcome back anytime. Awesome. It's been a great privilege for me, and I thank you so much for having me on. To connect with Michael, find him on Facebook.com slash Michael R. Van Vlyman. You'll also be able to get updates on his upcoming website, riveroflessingsinternationalministries.org, and also check out his blog at michaelvanvlyman.wordpress.com. But I really encourage you to go to Amazon.com and check out the books Michael's authored. The Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. We come back from the break. Music from the David Crowder Band. Welcome back, everybody. And I just want to say thank you to Zeno Live for allowing us to broadcast every week. You can also head over to our SoundCloud page to find the archive of past shows. Tonight, we're going to listen to a band originally from Waco, Texas. You can find all of their songs and albums, which are available on iTunes. Here now is the David Crowder Band with their song, Intoxicating. Intoxicating you are to me
going to do it for tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to take another second to thank my guest, Michael Van Vlyman, for stopping by. Remember, you can check out his blog at michaelvanvlyman.wordpress.com. You can also connect with him on Facebook at Michael R. Van Vlyman. Remember, head to Amazon and pick up his books. They are so good. They're filled with tons of information and helpful steps for your spiritual walk. As always, I encourage you to check out our website at www.curfewshow.com. Find us on Twitter at Curfew Show. Like our pages, give us a follow, all that good stuff. Until next week, via con Dios, everybody. (laughs) 